You're listening to Star Wars. Oh, I got this thing on my ass that I gotta go get checked out. <laughs> For the 905, whoever you are, this is Star Wars. Hello, everyone. My name is. Gonna keep that in, aren't you? Yeah, sure am. <laughs> That was that. That was the intro to the show. My name's Adam Hayes, alongside the phenomenal AJ Brown, and of course the right hand of the podcast, Mister Fantasy Draft. Right now, the incomparable Jordan Lloyd. I mean, pretty much. It's, it's rigged. Rigged. It's not rigged. I didn't win last year. But you know what isn't rigged? The fact that we actually made it, guys. One. 100 episodes in the bank here for Schwal Wars, give or take a .5 episode or two in between, but that doesn't matter. But the actual main card, main show, and after all the many different stops that I've had to take and different hiatuses and everything else, Schwal Wars has finally hit 100 episodes. So before we get underway with our amazing Ask Us Anything episode, I want to first thank each and every one of you that has ever downloaded, that has ever listened, that has ever like just came up to me at shows or whatever and said, hey man, Love the show, love the podcast, keep up the good work. Trust me, from the bottom of my heart, it means a whole lot, especially from all the shit uh, that has been going on in my life over the last few months specifically. So thank you so, so much. Um, it is just absolutely unreal that I actually made it this far. And also, I couldn't have done it without the two of you who have also been very supportive during this journey and also been a part of a lot of these shows. And, of course, one of the favorite shows that we like to do is the Ask Us Anything show, which, of course – you fans and uh, other colleagues here within the Ontario Indie Wrestling realm and just all over the world, really, have submitted your questions to us via Facebook and also for our email address. And um, we're just going to debate them, talk about them, and just kind of go through them. And just and we're just going to have a wonderful time. Perfect. So without any further ado, um, let's kind of just jump right into our very first question. Um, this first question comes to us from Justin Gilmet from Gilmet Talks Podcast. Huge fan of the show and currently uh, cool. A question from one of the guys I'm beating in the fantasy draft. <laughs> hey now, hey now, <laughs> all star. <laughs> I knew I knew one of you guys was going to say that. Is what are your thoughts on AEW selling sixty thousand tickets for the huge UK show in Wembley? So of course, as everyone knows now, uh, AEW in the, you know the end of the summer is going to be heading to Wembley Stadium. Uh, sold out quite quickly. Uh, there still obviously is some room and tickets available, but even within the first day, they sold like 35,000 seats, I believe, or tickets within like, what is it, like an 80 or 90,000 seat venue. Um, of course, there were some issues about could they sell it, could they not. Me personally, I am very happy to see them doing well. I have been very critical, as you have probably heard of the last podcast that we did with Jordan and I when it came to the review of AEW Double or Nothing about their product, but Selling that many tickets, I'm not surprised. Going across the way where the United Kingdom, they love their wrestling. They are diehards through and through. These are the people in Europe that fly all the way to the States during WrestleMania weekend. Like These are like the most hardcore of hardcore people, and especially with some of the promotions that they, they have out there as well, and they follow everything and are some of the biggest numbers for AEW come from the UK. To me, it's absolutely no surprise that they did as well as they did selling these tickets. So um, do I think the real question is, can they do it a second time? I think that's where there's going to be an issue and also depends on what the card is and what, how they do during this first time. Because everything seems grand the first time around. It's always trying to get that return business. Uh, AJ, what are your thoughts on that? Um, 
I like I agree with you on that one. Um, you know, I'm I'm glad that they're you know they're making it uh, they're making it across the pond essentially. Um, you know, and you're right. The uh, the Brits are you know the UK is huge huge wrestling fans. Um, you know, I I can't say anything different other than I agree with you on that one for sure. Um, I I think to be honest, I mean they're big enough fans that the crowd won't really matter. Like it's, it's kind of one of those like new fresh things that they have and they're getting a full, you know, a full look at it. Like some of them are going to not be able, they're not going to have to travel as far to, um, to go to the show. So it's, it's good. I always, I'm always, you know, good to the, you know, I'm always happy that, you know, they're flourishing and, and moving forward and everything like that. So to me, I don't have anything bad to say about it. Jordan. Uh, I mean, it's an indictment of how passionate European wrestling fans are, especially in the UK. I mean, they haven't had Wembley Stadium hasn't had a wrestling show since has been since SummerSlam '92. Yes, they haven't had a major event at Wembley Stadium since 1992. So that's like 30 years ago. 31, over, over 31 30 years. years ago. So like, it kind of has lightning in a bottle in that regard, where it's history making again. And again, European UK fans are very passionate about the wrestling business. However, I mean, it's a good thing. I mean, I want, I would love to see any wrestling company sell out a stadium at all, period, because that means the wrestling business is thriving. However, it's kind of a, a bigger perplexing question as to why they struggle to sell tickets in the United States and not in Europe. Well, that's because they, which go, is, they go to the same eight cities all over the United which States. Which has been a, a reoccurring issue with them in the past little while, is that they can they can sell tickets no problem overseas, but when it comes to the United States, that's a different story. Yeah. I mean, only time will tell, again, to see where they travel to next. Of course, you know, Forbidden Door, rather, is uh, going to be in a couple of weeks here in Toronto. Uh, and that I, sold out rather well. I'll, t- I'll touch base real quick on what you said of can they do it again. Can they do it again will all depend on if they show some restraint with this one. Because if you do anything you could possibly do under the sun with this one, then how could you possibly top it? Yeah. You can't hot shot an entire show and then expect it to be the same amount of business when you go back because the people have seen everything you could possibly give them. Well, and that's the point, too, though. Is like, is They're selling out pretty much in the name alone that AEW is coming to the U.K., and they're selling on the fact of the nostalgia of SummerSlam 92 with Brett and Bulldog of going back to Wembley Stadium, which a lot of hardcore wrestling fans, especially over in Europe, hold that pay-per-view in high regard. So now the question is, what do you have as that main event? Brett Hart what? should be there. <laughs> he, he's been so critical of the company in the last couple of months. Is that really the best thing, though? I mean... Maybe not, but like for for the if you if you want to run an event based on nostalgic purposes, Bret Hart should be there. Get ready to feel the heat as New Frontier returns for the biggest event of the summer, Immortality Tool, Saturday, July 22nd at the Jack Berger Sports Complex in Port Hope with nine epic battles, including NWA Junior Heavyweight Champion Kerry Morton to face off with Port Hope's own international sensation, the visionary Vaughn Vertigo, plus the Empire's Matthew Grant facing off against Coburg's own blood-stained hurricane Jesse Amato inside the confines of a steel cage. Don't wait. Tickets are starting at $20 at immortality2.eventbrite.com. This is New Frontier Pro, wrestling redefined. 
All right, so if you uh, heard a random commercial break during that, it's because I'm a dad and I had to take my son to the bathroom. All right, now moving on to our next question. Uh, Brian from Media vs. Wrestling Podcast, which is a podcast where they break down cosplay gear, the match, and get the inside scoops on the guests, um, asked this question. With recent WrestleMania at an all-time I, this word is wording is weird. With the recent wrestle with the recent WrestleMania and the all new debut of cosplay like gear, besides Shiloh and Evan Greenaway, who I've already done cosplay here in Ontario, would that be a thing to see on the indie scene? Could more wrestlers be on board with doing a match with their own made cosplay gear? So I guess in essence, what the question is like, can you see independent wrestlers here in Ontario almost adapting what you see on the WWE and doing like different cosplay style looks and, you know, gear, you know, inspired different things for their matches? Don't a lot of them do that anyway? On the indie scene? Not really. I mean, again, a couple of the examples that he gave with, you know, Evan Greenway and stuff like that have done that in the past, but... What did he do? I can't remember off the top of my head, but regardless, I'm going to say that I think it has to do with like a budgetary issue. I mean, the WWE guys, yes, they, you know, can get their gear made and certain stuff like that, like but they they're also seen, multi, they're millionaires in some instances. But they, have, they have seamstresses in the company that makes that stuff for them. Like, yeah. They don't, they don't pay to get it made, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like, would I think that it would be a cool idea for that to happen here in Ontario? Yeah, I think so for like maybe a big match, like someone's inspired by something or whatever and they kind of have like inspired colors or, you know, gear that's resemblance of that in some way you know like an x-men or whatever the hell but like not all the time because yeah it'd probably get really expensive well it would get it expensive and then it would lose its luster and then at that point are you just watching the show just to see what the The costumes the costume is going to be in the gear especially that was one of my biggest things too was like a guy or a girl is going to go into this huge blood feud or they're going into this big match they've been preparing and the story has been there and, you know, the personal animosity and all that stuff. And, like, they're coming out dressed as, like, fucking Kill Bill. You know what I mean? <laughs> or just some random-ass, like, movie thing. Yes, it's cool for the moment. Like, hey, check it out. But at the same time, it's like, okay, we, we really want to go out there and beat the crap out of this person. But first, let me put on my uh, Marvel-inspired outfit. You know what I mean? So okay, I don't know. Well, with the Kill Bill thing, though, like the the bride was out for vengeance, so like if, like for blood and vengeance. So if you dress up like that, then like at least there's a common theme behind it. But like, sure, I'll give you the other stuff. Okay, but like maybe like Jade, Jade Cargill dressing up like the She-Hulk. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, she has the physique to pull it well, off. There was but no the, reason for that. She just did that because she could. Well, that's what I mean. As so. a heel, and also as if you're a heel, I don't think you should cosplay. I don't know, AJ. What's your opinion on this? Um, I, like, I agree. Like, I think it's, it's about timing and everything like that. And, and the style or the idea behind it. Um, you know, if it's a, if it's a feud match, then no, don't come out. Like I said this before, just with just hanging out with us and we're watching shows and it's like, oh, great. The feud match is going to come out. And the person who's been getting, you know, uh, dicked around or, or beat up or abused and wants to take this all serious they come out in a regular like fun gimmick uh Shotzi did it she came out in her tank uh um when Seth Rollins and uh Matt Riddle were having their huge feud and and they brought their family into it and everything like that and he was so angry and where are you I'm gonna find you and da 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 and then 
homie rolls out on a scooter all all willy-nilly to me that no like that that to me uh bothers me it's like if i'm having a feud with somebody i'm not coming out to you know happy-go-lucky stuff i'm you know i'm coming for blood so i mean again it falls in the same category as the cosplay if if you know i'm having a regular match with so-and-so or whatever and i'm you know feeling like i mean you know ronda rousey does has done it a bunch of times i mean seth rollins has done it a bunch of them have done it oh yeah ray mysterio he comes out a lot with his i mean his is a little different it's not really cosplay it's more tied in with his his luchador background right so i mean for me that's okay but if it's like a legitimate uh uh, the new day uh xavier woods he does it all they do it a lot they did the the dragon ball z guys yeah so so i mean you know it just it depends on the mood and and the idea behind it granted i i agree with jordan though like if you're a heel don't come out as don't come out in cosplay because that's that's too fun and and you know happy like that's that's a face thing right because you're trying to get the crowd as attention and everything. Come out as a heel. Be a dick, basically. Um, so, yeah. So, well, the thing they also wanted to plug for our friends Ed, from Brian from Media vs. Wrestling Podcast. Uh, their next episode is going to be with Uncle Bobby B talking Wolverine from the X-Men. And also to check out their last episode with uh, Van Landon here with an Ontario Independent Wrestling. So uh, that should be obviously be a great, uh, a great conversation. So definitely check them out on their podcast. Our next question is a two-parter. comes with us from Andrew from Parts Unknown, USA. They ask, the first question is, what is the greatest gaming console in history and why things to consider exclusive games legacy longevity life console graphics power price innovation so like a lot of different things and criteria in there but if you had to pick then what is the ultimate and the greatest gaming console in the history of the world what is it and why the history of the world. Well, I mean, with WWE nowadays, there's a Universal Champion, there's a WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Well, I we don't think we got to be specified here. Well, I don't think I could pick the greatest console in the universe because we're still the only planet that has people on it. I don't know, man. Saturn's got a pretty decent one. We just haven't really seen it. Anyways, AJ, we'll start with you on this one. What do you think is the greatest video game console in the history of ever? Uh of consoles i i don't know man like i mean i'm not a massive gamer i'm not huge on uh, anything i think the most fun i had uh playing console was probably between my n64 and my playstation the the first one playstation one you know i had a lot of games and things like that and a lot of good times and memories but i mean i'm not a huge gamer so i'm just gonna leave it at that Uh, jordan would be the best one to answer this question and probably you because wow. I know you probably have like you have a bunch of uh, systems kicking around. So. Oh, I do. I have most of the systems kicking around my ass. Um, I would have to say, based on again just some of the create you know the criteria that he was saying too of like longevity, exclusiveness, graphics, power, price, innovation, stuff like that. I mean, I would have to go either PS2 or PS3 for that one reason. Potentially even PS4. It's somewhere in between. So maybe I just might say the PS3. I guess because, you know, that next-gen console at the time when it first came out, the power that it had behind it, the Blu-ray player that was attached to it, the fact that they had, like, the exclusive titles that were already from the past that were then coming up at the same time. You had more exclusive games for the PS3 um, that were huge. The price point was always, you know, pretty pop, you know, pretty positive. It was still one of those things that was still, I'm pretty sure either the same or a little bit less than the Xbox, if I remember correctly. Uh, the graphics, the console itself, the longevity, 
than it had just in the world. That's why it was floating between PS4, maybe being PS2. But um, at that point, are you picking the console or are you picking the brand? You know what? The brand itself is already strong enough as is. So even for that brand, I will probably say the PS3 was probably the most superior and probably the greatest console that they had based on all of those factors. So I'm going to go with that. Jordan? Uh, <laughs> Atari, and here's why. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to talk about like a, a, an amazing run of cinematic quality gaming, the PlayStation 4 is hard to beat. In like its last couple, in like its last couple years of its life cycle, it produced Horizon Zero Dawn. It produced Spider-Man for PS4. It produced the God of War reboot, which technically was God of War 4, but for all intents and purposes, it kind of was a reboot that many people consider to be one of the greatest games of all time. Um, it produced Uncharted 4, which many people consider to be the greatest of that series of games. So for that, I mean, for sheer level of exclusivity and classic games that were produced, PS4 is hard to beat. The Super Nintendo is also right up there, too. Mm. If you want to talk about longevity, Nintendo's been around since the original Nintendo, since, like, the 80s. And, like, it produced some of, like, the greatest franchises in video game history with your Super Marios, your Kirbys, your Donkey Kongs, your Super Smash Bros., which still go to this day. Your Zeldas, which has produced what many people consider to be the greatest video game of all time in Ocarina of Time. So, I mean, I think Super Nintendo probably would be my top pick, but then, like, right behind it would probably be PS4. Okay. Like if there wasn't if it wasn't for Nintendo, there would be no PlayStation. There would be no Xbox. Oh, 100%. Nintendo was the OG mainstream console. All right. Second part of his question from Andrew from Parts Unknown USA is who is the greatest action movie hero of all time? Any decade, character, and the actor who portrays them. Arnold Schwarzenegger. So he's just flat out the greatest actor to be an action hero. Yes. Okay. If you, look, if you look at his... See, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would say it would come down to a battle between Sylvester Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Probably. Sylvester Stallone... May, Sylvester Stallone's movies, maybe you could argue, are better in some regards. But Arnold's are way more successful. Arnold's are way more memorable. Um... What? Well, I mean, you can say successful, but I mean, Rocky did win an Oscar. But nothing is, that is nothing Rocky that Arnold an action did. movie. I didn't say that. I'm talking about the actor at that point. But we're talking about specifically being an action star. As an actual, so action if we're talking hero. about Sylvester Stallone, then what I'm considering is your cliffhangers, your Cobras, your Rambo's. Um, what else did he have? Expendables. The Expendables, which he created to try to, to try to give his aging friend something to do. Um, I thought you were going to say Last Action Hero for a second. That was Arnold Schwarzenegger. I know. But then you go to Arnold, you got The Last Action Hero, you got your Terminators, you got your Eraser, you C- got Commando. your Commando. Conan. Conan. Um, there was another one. Jingle All the Way. No. <laughs> Kindergarten Cop technically is an, act, is an action comedy. 
His new one on Netflix right uh, now, Fubar. Don't, total, forget, don't total, forget that time when the action star had a baby. Total, total recall. He's got total recall too. Um, so like Arnold's, I say like Arnold has the more memorable movies and like more staying power against Sly. Probably has the slightly better movies, like or an overall quality. Mm-hmm. But like Arnold, I'd say, I still say I would give it to Arnold for sheer success rate and sheer longevity and like memorability. I'll say Arnold as well, but there is a lot of good like honorable mentions to that list. Obviously, that we can do, we can do a whole damn tier list based strictly on that, or a whole ranking top five system based on that alone. Um, of course, your Arnold Schwarzeneggers, you got your Harrison Fords, you got your Jason Statham's, uh, your Tom Cruises. Like, there's so many different action level hero stars. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise took action to a new level. With the amount of crazy stunts he does, especially at his age now, right, where he does all of them himself. Mm-hmm. Jackie Chan is another one. Yep, Jackie Chan. I mean, a lot of a lot of his most memorable movies were not American. They weren't they weren't made for American release. I know if Josh was here, he would probably say Steven Seagal. But like a lot of his Steven Seagal sucks. <laughs> but a lot of like a lot of Jackie Chan, like the 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 cop, what was it called? Police? What was what was the series where he was? It was called like Police or like Cop or something. AJ doesn't remember, but like those were all great. Rush Hour, but like no, I I'd still say it's Arnold. Okay, AJ, what are your thoughts? I'm going with Arnold. Three across the board. Okay. I really like I really like Sylvester Stallone, um, but uh, Arnold for action is by far leaps it like leaps and bounds. I mean, he's his, his filmography just is stacked with, with action movies. I mean, with the odd, you know, odd movie here and there and stuff like that um, with his comedy and things like that. It's just for me, anytime, you know, someone's like, what's the best action hero. I always say, you know, I would, I'll always say Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, if you want to include Rocky with Sly, then, like, that, again, would go to the fact that, like, I think Sylvester Stallone has the better movies. Yeah. I mean, Rambo alone, I'll be I'll be the one that says it. I mean, I still prefer the original Rambo over the original Terminator. Yeah. That's fair. But, like... You're like, you're wrong. But Terminator 2, but Terminator 2 is better than the original Rambo. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could go tit for tat with both these guys, but like, oh, if, no, I had 100%. To, if I had to, if I had to choose, I Arnold's my choice. So to play off this this question, just to kind of just to kind of go down that rabbit hole a little bit, then who's like one of the most underrated action like actors? Keanu, like, Keanu Reeves. Yes, you think so because like I think yeah. now that ever since the John Wick thing, he's kind of gotten a lot more. But he was underrated. Publicity he, love. Sure, but he was underrated when he was making the Matrix. And yeah, he was still doing all that stuff himself. Okay, so like the mid two thousands, I would have agreed with that based on you he know. Was speed, in, speed he was in. He was. He was in. Um, uh, Man of Tai Chi or Tai Chi Man or whatever. I mean, he was doing hand to hand con uh, hand to hand combat stunts there too, and that was like he is very underrated. Okay. I think Donnie Yen, Yen is also very underrated. Yeah, I don't think he gets him. He doesn't get in, work that he should. In in America, he is, but in in uh, no, he's a legend. Over, he's a legend overseas. Oh, he's huge. He's he's a master star. At one point, it, again in America, yes. Over there, no. Yeah, Jet Li was underrated in North America. Yeah. They're just they're. 
there's so many of them. But for, for me, I agree with Jordan again. The underrated one is probably Keanu Reeves. Okay. Uh, and then I believe that, yeah, that was the end of his question. Okay. So uh, next question comes to us. It's a two-parter once again from Matt from Toronto. He asked his first question. What cartoon show from your childhood would you love to see be made into a live action movie or series? I'll start. Uh, all right, that was fascinating. I already know what you're going to say, but go ahead. So do I. <laughs> I have two. All right, well, go ahead. Uh, the first one is Street Sharks. Naturally. Given. <laughs> Why? Because it's awesome. <laughs> you need a little bit more than that. I don't know, but like, I love those. I love those sharks. Like it was a. They're so fucking cheesy. Going back and watching. Oh, of course now. it's cheesy, but like it was fun. It was dumb. Like you didn't have to think too much about what you were watching. Like, and, and were they a were they a rip off of the Ninja Turtles? Yes, hundred percent. But that didn't make the show any less fun. And like, who wouldn't want to see a giant great white shark in live action punching a lobster man in the face? I mean, we kind of already got that when we watched what was it, Suicide Squad, and we saw a killer. And after like, that, they have no reason why they can't do this now. You right. showed a live-action Great White Shark can work. The other one, which would probably be the more, far superior, better movie, is Gargoyles. Yes, sir. Now, again, for both of these, are we thinking series or are you thinking movie? A movie. Movie for Gargoyles. Yes. And series for Street um, Sharks? I would take either for Street Sharks, but okay. I think Gargoyles would work better as a movie. Okay. Although, if you did it as a series... Now the brain's moving here. HBO would pick this up. Naturally. Oh, of course, but it's, it's a Disney-owned IP, so they would put it on, like, Disney+. Plus. But if you did it as a series, like, you could do a whole entire season about the backstory of the Gargoyles, about how they ended up in stone all the way to when they woke up in Manhattan in the present day. Mm. Like, when the humans betrayed them and, like, broke all the clan members into, into pieces and, like, stole the book from them. Like, you could do an entire season based on that. So, like, maybe that would let it breathe more, but, like... I think a movie is better because they can pump more money into it. Okay. AJ, what do you think? And, oh, and, 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 and most of the voice actors from Gargoyles are still alive. Yes. That is true. You could have the original cast. Okay, so voice actors, so it wouldn't be live action then? The Gargoyles obviously couldn't be live action. You could do them CGI, but, like, everything else could be in live action. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I'm going Gargoyles as well. That's definitely my biggest one. That would be amazing because I picture Robert Downey Jr. playing Xanatos. So, or Xanatos, whatever his name. I didn't. Yeah, I thought about that before. Wait, who playing? Yeah. Ooh, what Robert name? Downey Jr. playing Xanatos. That's the guy with the goatee, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Big time villain, and and you know like what? The main villain of the show. He had like long hair, didn't he? Yeah, he had a ponytail. Yeah. But okay. they can they can they can make that go away, and they don't have to worry about that. But I mean. Robert Downey Jr. playing Tony Stark and Xanatos is kind of the same kind of guy. He's filthy rich. He's evil. He doesn't like the gargoyles. Basically, an evil, you want him to play an evil Tony Stark. Exactly. And <laughs> and you know what? He would be perfect for it. Hmm. Okay. Um, goodness gracious. Uh, AJ, while he's thinking, who would you who would you pick to play uh, Elisa? <gasps> Ooh. Um, Oh, that would be hard. Because uh, really, when you think about it, Elisa would be like, is it Elisa or Elise, Eliza? It was Elisa, I think. I th- yeah. Oh, that one would be really hard. She would be like the lead, like the lead 
human character because she spends the most time with them. I would like a no-name actress. Like I would like somebody new who could come in because if we give them, if we give them somebody like that, um, uh, if we give them somebody new, it would be better. Fair enough. But um, I just I'm trying to think of who who could do it like as like an actress now. Well, you think about that. He, I think he has an answer. Well, yeah, I was gonna say I have my answers now. Like a couple of my favorite shows as a kid was like Doug and Hey Arnold, but I wouldn't. I don't know if those would translate or be good enough in my brain that would actually work as a movie. Like I'm sure it could in a way, but like, do I really need to see another teen kind of movie in that sense? So I have two that are completely different. One, just because I think it'd be a little bit of fun, and especially if it was in the same style as the people who made Diary of a Wimpy Kid, I think a recess movie or live action series would be very entertaining with those type of characters and stuff like that with all the different, like, you know, boss or, you know, gangs of the quote unquote or whatever that, you know, everyone had on the on the on the playground and stuff like that. I think that'd be a whole lot of fun just kind of seeing that as like a kid's you know, fun movie and stuff like that. Again, a la like Diary of a Wimpy Kid or something like that with that type of, you know, actors being involved in that type of, you know, fun family comedy. Um, the other one is completely different. I want to see a live action version of Beavis and Butthead. I want to see two dumb motherfuckers just go out there and be Beavis and Butthead and get into as much shit as humanly possible. And, like, give, like, Trailer Park Boys a run for their money. Like, I don't give a crap if they all, like, we just saw them do, like, a multiverse movie that recently came out not too long ago. Let them do that, and they come into the real world. And they actually are, like, humans. You know what? I would, it, it would be bad, probably, and it would get so many Razzies, I wouldn't give a shit. Because I'd be like, I'm watching Beavis and Butthead in live action. How this is you, great. How would you cast them? No human, I beings, don't no know. human beings look like that. <laughs> I don't know. It would be so a big. lot of prosthetics. I wouldn't care. I would not care. I just would love to see it. So It would be a that, lot of prosthetics. Those are the two that I'm just going to go with. AJ, myself. I got one. If she was younger, like 10, maybe 15 years younger, Jennifer Connelly. Oh, yeah. She totally would do, be able to do that. All right, well, no, second. she could she could do that now. She could still do it. No, fair enough. Second part of Matt's question from Toronto. Oh. Unfucking believable, you unprofessional prick. We're just gonna ignore that. Stop this, getting your booty calls. And put this on mute. We're keeping that in the podcast. I don't even <laughs> care. Uh, second part of Matt's question from Toronto is: What WWE theme song would you pick for yourself if you were a part of the WWE? And what would you pick for your friends if you all got called up to the big times? So I feel like it would be a disservice if I didn't give Josh call to personality just because I, or this fire burns. Yeah, that's the one, this fire burns because I'm pretty sure he would shoot me if I didn't give that to him. Can you repeat the question? Yeah. I was distracted by. Yeah. Your booty call. Yeah, I got it. Uh, What WWE theme song would you pick for yourself and you and your friends if you all got called up to the big times. Oh, so good Lord, I don't know. Yeah. So for, for Josh, I'll be nice and I'll give him this, um, this fire burns just because, you know, back in the day he used to do that when he used to wrestle on a mattress. Um, AJ, I mean, the easy answer for you is to give you AJ styles, but I want to give you something else and different, you know, I don't know. And I could be a dick and give you Chad Gable and Otis, but you know, <laughs> shoes, shoes, please. Um, fuck, this is a tough question, actually. You know what? 
You know what? I'd give uh, I'd give AJ Ultimate Warrior. It's got like a good like hard kind of rock beat to it. That'd be kind of give him a theme song that he's exactly the opposite of. Yes. <laughs> like. Yes, I'll give AJ Ultimate Warrior. I'm just gonna pick random ones off the top of my head. I'll give the Spire Burns to Josh. AJ, I'll give Ultimate Warrior. Jordan, I'm gonna give you. Be careful because I'm right next to you. I can hit you. Yeah, that's true. You. Are. <laughs> um. Oh, close your eyes by Christian. All right, that's a good song. That's a good song. Um, for myself, uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now. You know what? I'll just give myself glorious Robert Roode, Bobby Roode's theme. Of course, you jerk. All right, AJ, what about you? What are you picking for everybody and yourself? Oh, Jesus. Uh, obviously... You know, everyone would be like, "Oh, well, he's gonna pick AJ Styles music," which, which I, I do. Um, yeah, just because we already know it's, that it's actually like <laughs> sick music. Um, so I'll pick that for myself. Uh, yeah, naturally. Uh, hmm, hmm. What would I do for you guys? Uh, you killed me, Smalls. Shut I know up. what I know what I'd give AJ. <laughs> All right, well go ahead if you want to jump in a little bit here. What would you Tonka. give me? <laughs> Tatanka. You know what? You make fun. That's a great song. It is. It's got a good uh, beat to it. I draw oh, man. Uh Adam, I would probably I know he's a big fan of The Undertaker, but that's just too obvious. That's fair. Um I think I would probably agree with you and give you the glorious one. Uh, give you. you Bobby Roods. Um, that or, or, well, that or Ric Flair. Um, yeah, I, I, could, I could rock that. Okay. That's what I would give you. As for Jordan, <laughs> he's giving me side eye right now. <laughs> um, I think I would give him, uh, ass man. I'm an ass man. Oh my God. <laughs> <Billy Gunn. laughs> I'm an ass man. Why did you go to that first? That's wonderful. No, hold on. I'm curious. Why did you go to that first? Because you're an asshole. I don't know. This just just something just says to me, you know, that's something that you would come out to, and you would have one hell of a time coming out to it. Something screams about Jordan and butts. Is what he's trying to say. Because literally, every time every time I say butt sex, he giggles like a little girl. Because it's funny. This whole this podcast is learning something completely brand new about you and the whole hundred episode here today. <laughs> what, what, are you giving something for Josh or no? Uh, I'll give him Baron Corbin's music. <laughs> you know what? You make fun. Wait, which when, one? Uh, one or the old one? Old one when he was the Lone Wolf. Oh, the End of Day song. Yeah, that was a good yeah. song. He hates Baron Corbin. <laughs> he, no, he knows that's a good song, and if he doesn't, then he's just being, you know bias all right go ahead jordan all right adam will get the job squad they didn't have a song <laughs> they didn't have a song i know uh josh will get razor ramon okay oh, that's a good one aj will get Tatanka, like i said god damn it <laughs> all right so we're sticking in the mid 90s so far early 90s uh adam I'm tempted to give him a version of The Undertaker that he doesn't like. 
I like all Undertaker. I so like the Ministry Undertaker. I love the Ministry Undertaker. What the hell are you talking about? I don't know. I'm just talking about my ass. Yes, you apparently, are. I'm, apparently, I'm the ass man. All right, I'll give you Ministry Undertaker. All right, I can work with that. And me, it's always the hardest of which one you give yourself. I'm surprised you didn't say Undertaker. You're gonna pay. Yeah, you would understand that, but nobody else would. I know. <laughs> uh, See, when Jordan wrestled on a mattress. <laughs> shut up, man. You know what? I'll go with Steve Austin, the disturbed version. Oh, like that really heavy, like that one. Yeah, but had the, had the lyrics. Stop, stop, to the yeah. yeah, okay. That would get my blood pumping if I was coming to the ring for a match. Like, sir, you're getting groceries like that. <laughs> Give me a hell yeah. <laughs> Give, me my cha- Give me my change back. <laughs> and that's the money. All right. Now with that shit. Okay, our next question. Wes from the National Wrestling Clipping Alliance podcast asks, did Adam West's campy portrayal of Batman hurt or help the original comic book image? AJ, I'm going to go to you on this one, actually. This would be kind of a, a fun one. So do you think Adam West and his portrayal of Batman and, of course, the 1960s, did you think that hurt the image of Batman or help it? I would say um, at the time, I would say I would say it didn't really hurt it or help it in a sense. It was kind of its own standalone thing in my eyes um, because of the time frame it was and everything like that. You had the – it was almost like they were trying something new and it worked. I don't even know how many – how long it ran. Uh, quickly, Adam, Google that. Um, but but for me, it was it was fun. Like it was, the seven, it was the 60s and the 70s. I mean, you know, sure, it had its corny little dance numbers and things like that. Uh you know, but again, in the time frame, it was yeah, exactly, Jordan. Um, it was it 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 is what it was. Like it was what it was at the time. I mean, if they tried to bring out something like that now, yeah, of course, then it would be you know, people would be like, "What the hell is this garbage?" But at the time, I, it didn't really hurt it or help it. Really, it just kind of was one of those things that people enjoyed. You know, it's I would say it was like uh, it was like when George Reeves was doing Superman. Uh, Back in the early 30s, 30, I mean, um, uh, sorry, the uh, 50s, when George Reeves was donning the black and white, you know, the black and white suit. And then, you know, you had Kirk Allen and everything. So I think it didn't really it was just kind of more of introducing the characters to people and giving them more something more. You know, it was like a step up, next step up. Like, okay, we got the comics, we got the merch, we got everything. You know, let's get the you know, we had the radio, the, the radio shows and stuff. Why not give uh, Why not give the kids something else, you know? Okay. So for me, it didn't really hurt it or, or help. Like, I mean, it didn't really hurt or help. It just kind of was like there. Okay. To answer your question originally, by the way, it uh, aired on January 12th, 1966, and its last episode was March 14th, 1968. So it only That's ran three, three seasons, 120 episodes. Jordan, uh, your thoughts on them? Uh... So the question was, did it hurt the comic book image? Yes. So did Adam West's campy portrayal of Batman hurt or help the original comic book image? No, because I feel like a lot of people tend to forget that in those early Batman comics, there was a lot of goofy shit in them. Right. Like the Batmobile looked ridiculous. Like it did not look like the Batmobile, you know, today. I was just looking at a list. 
There was a time where Batman had a different color suit for every night. There were like there was a pink one, a yellow one, like a green one. Like they did some goofy shit in those early Batman comics. Um, but that was the product of the time of like the '60s, where like campy com campy comedy stuff was the norm. Um, <laughs> it was Batman, the Batman the series, followed by Bewitch. <laughs> and like, no, it didn't hurt it because I mean it's 2023 now, and Batman's comics are still being published to this day. Yeah. Comic book fans and comic books in general, the storytelling became more sophisticated and took itself more seriously. But it didn't hurt it in any way. No. Yeah. I'm going to say that it actually helped the comic book image, mainly because of the fact that while there was a very small run TV series of Batman in the early, early days before the 1960s uh, that they did, and that suit just sucked uh, with him and Robin and the black and white version. Um, I think that the Adam West show kind of put eyes on Batman that sometimes the comics didn't. And that kind of gave people a new audience to be able to check him out afterwards and be able to see what Batman was all about. So when you had more people understanding who Batman was and the popularity of him, it, 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 I, to me, it, like it just overall, it just helps your business in that sense. It's kind of like the rock and wrestling when it comes to professional wrestling in the 1980s. It's like your first exposure to wrestling is like, you know, Jimmy Snuka getting hit with a coconut by Roddy Piper and like all these wrestlers pretend to play instruments, you know, wearing their spandex. It's ridiculous and stupid, but ultimately it helped you get into something that eventually would alter and change and turn into something better than it once was before. So because of that, I'm going to say it actually helped because it got more eyeballs on Batman at the time uh, that were for more of a mainstream audience that weren't comic book fans or kids. So that's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, our next question comes to us from Ruari from Oshawa. He asks, what ma is your favorite match to watch of all time, one that you go to to feel inspired or just to have a good time? So this is always just a, a fun little question when it comes to professional wrestling. Like, what is the one match that you can just, like, go back and rewatch? Almost like in the sense, like, what's your favorite movie? Like, something that you can just, like, put on and just, like, turn your brain off. Because you can just rewatch it over and over and over again. Jordan, do you have that match? So what is my favorite match of all time? Yeah. Or what's my go-to match? What is your favorite match? What is your favorite match to watch? One that you go to to feel inspired? Uh, Brett versus Owen from WrestleMania 10. That's a solid friggin' answer. Um, never has there been a, never would there be a better match to watch now and then watch modern day wrestling where you could just poke holes and see everything that's wrong with modern day wrestling today. Right. Like, Brett versus Owen, two world class technicians went out there with a simple story that wasn't overly convoluted. They didn't need to go 100 miles an hour. They didn't need to do every spot under the sun. They were the first match. And they did no ridiculous over-the-top spots in it. They were the first match. They took their time. They took their pace. They worked the story. And that match to this day is still one of the ones that's most remembered about that WrestleMania. Yeah, even more than Brent sometimes winning the championship that night, yeah, too. Yeah, or the ladder match. Like, that. That's the story was so simple. It's just brother versus brother. Who's better? AJ? Oh, damn. Uh, um, 
to be honest, I really don't know. That's fair. Um, There's a lot to choose from, but it's hard. It's it, it well, it's beyond a lot. It's like a massive amount of them for me. I just you know if if it's on, I'll watch it no matter what it is, you know. And Jordan's got a good point though. Like it's for him to be like you know, you you can look at it from back in the day and see the kind of holes that you see now in modern day wrestling. I mean, the match alone uh, he's talking about, he's right. He hit that on the nail. You well, know, these are these are solid, solid wrestlers and they told a story and, you know, you got hooked and you were in it. So like it, was a, it was a personal issue and all it needed, exactly. all you needed was, I hate you. I don't like you. Who's the better man? Well, let me, re- let me rephrase the question then for you then AJ, because just to kind of make it. So that way we get somewhat of an answer out of you as well. I know when you first started wrestling, and I think you've mentioned a couple times on this podcast, you've mentioned obviously to us personally that you first got into wrestling when you were watching with your grandfather, correct? Yeah, yeah. And of course, like that was like your first real memories when it came to like watching wrestling was with him. So because of that, I'm assuming that there were favorites that your grandfather and you would like to probably watch or even cheer for uh, when they were on. And if maybe if that was the case, like who was someone that your grandfather and you would like like to watch when it came to professional wrestling? And really, anytime Hogan or Flair was on the TV, we would we were, we were enjoying it. We were having a great time. Um, I wish I could sit with him and watch wrestling, just anything. I'd love to. I'd love for him to be around now and seeing what seeing what wrestling's turned into, just to see see and hear his opinions. Um, he'd be, he'd be on our show and be like, that was shit. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, he was, he grew up like, you know, like at the beginning, like, I mean, he didn't grow up, sorry, but I mean, he, you know, he got into it at the very beginning. Like he was alive, he was old enough to get into it when it started, you know? And so, but our, like, I remember lots of times us just sitting there in the living room at his home and just sitting on the couch, just it's on, you know, watching Ric Flair or Hulk Hogan or, or Sting do his stuff. Back when Sting was, you know, blonde haired and makeup, um, but uh, but yeah, like for me, just I just any match with him, watching it with him would be amazing. But uh, but it was always Hogan or Flair. If they were on, we were we were watching the match and you know cheering on and stuff like this. This is when I was young and dumb and thought it was real. Um, what do you mean? That was one thing. That was that was one thing. My uh, my grandfather never told me that it was scripted, um, which was which was really nice. Please don't say that on here. <laughs> well, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, I'm going to give my answer. There's actually two that come to come to mind. Um, and surprisingly, only one of them features The Undertaker. Uh, the first one that I'm going to think about was one of the first memories that I had when it came to professional wrestling um, outside of going to WrestleMania 6 as a kid um, would probably be Sid Justice teaming with Hulk Hogan to take on Ric Flair and The Undertaker. Uh, That was at Saturday night's main event in 1992, leading towards WrestleMania 8. I have rewatched that match so many times and got the commentary down from that. Of course, Hulk Hogan reaching for the tag, reaching for Sid Justice. And of course, Beefcake, of course, had his face smashed because, you know, you know, he just had the boating accident or whatever the hell happened to him. And Sid turned on Hogan and jumped off the apron and walked away and threatened to punch B- Beefcake's face. And uh, he he knew it was just like, oh, his face is going to shower. It's going to be like a hockey puck. <laughs> like, it's like just going absolutely crazy. And then, like, 
Hogan and was getting his ass kicked by Undertaker and Flair at the end of the match. And yeah, it was like, that's just one of my most fun memories. Um, And then the other one that I just love to watch is a big man, little man match also has Bret Hart. That's Bret Hart versus Diesel summer or survivor series, 1995. One of the first times you ever saw someone go through a table in the WWF and just the storytelling alone was absolutely amazing. Uh, It's still one of the matches that like, I just, I, I study in that sense because it's good psychology. And I had the privilege and honor of meeting Bret Hart. And when I got to sit down and talk to him, he's like, Oh, Hey, you know, thank you very much for loving my matches. I'm like, your storytelling with big man, little man matches, like you against diesel and you against taker are some of my favorite things to watch because I love him trying to cut him down for size. So I will definitely have to say, Brett versus Diesel, Survivor Series 95. If you haven't seen it, go out of your way. It's great. It's Kevin Nash's best match he's ever had in his life. And uh, What did he say when you told him that? He he was very appreciative of that. He said uh, he usually doesn't get that one a lot. It's kind of like when I met Stefan Bonner. I'm like, oh, man, I, I really loved your series and your fights against Chris Kostrzynski. And he's like, thanks, man. I'm getting tired of everyone saying Forrest Griffin because I lost that fight. <laughs> so it's kind of like the same thing that happened there. Uh, so, yeah, that would be my answer with that. Our final question comes to us from Jen from Coburg. She, I, we we kind of know her. Um, how does one get blacklisted in wrestling? Is there a specific criteria? Is it on a case-by-case basis? Who makes the decision? And can someone ever come back from being blacklisted? Someone can come back. It's happened before. It, it's happened before, but, like, do they come back to the same... Well, that all depends on a fan. Yeah. That all depends on if fans can accept them again. Yeah, and I think at that point it kind of comes to like a case by case basis. So like, yeah, it depends on what your what your offense was. Yeah, so like people before of like Jake the Snake Roberts at one point was blacklisted from the industry of like people that was just like, you know, he was just an asshole to work with because of his drugs and all that stuff, and you know, his demons was getting a hold of you know who he once was. Or what's another great example? Uh, Hogan. Hogan, of course. You know, everyone's talked about that in the past. Um, and then, you know, there's some that just... Jeff Hardy. They've never really come back from, almost in the sense. Like, they're still around, but not to the extent of, like, you know, you got Enzo in that sense. or Yeah, he never really came back. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it's I think it is based on, like, a case-by-case basis. I don't think it's really who decides it it's just kind of like a mass thing it's almost kind of like you're just being judged by the masses at that point and if you got more people on your side than joey ryan yeah i mean if more <laughs> if it's kind of like an ultimate jury of wrestling fans like if the the general consensus of it is you fucked up you're done then you're done almost in that sense like what's another great example ryback as well Ryback, yeah, Ryback Mula was blacklisted after she already passed away. Yeah, she got blacklisted <laughs> after she died. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's really difficult that... Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a few times here in the Independence, too, of, like, people that have gotten blacklisted or whatever, or just, like, you know, Ixnay and the Upitsne when it comes to them. So, like, I... A certain Canadian crippler. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, well, I mean, he murdered his whole family. So, I mean, if that doesn't get you blacklisted, I don't no, know. I know what I'm saying. That's why it's a case-by-case basis. I was like, if you do something so extreme that, like, you, you there's no point. That, you, that Even if you took it back, it'll never erase what you did. I think because wrestling fans 
are very much almost like social media or very much like um, – are very much like pop culture in the sense of like they are willing to forgive, but they're just not willing to forget. They can. But yeah, wrestling fans can also be very fickle. And they Well, they can, and they can also be just like assholes. Like the biggest example that I can we think of. We all are ones and we can admit that. Yeah, but like the biggest example I can think of right now is like AEW Soraya, a.k.a. former WWE star Paige. Look, everyone knows that she had the sex tapes that leaked out and all the stuff happened to her and, you know, whatever. And she eventually left the company and she went to AEW, wanted to get a fresh start, came back from her career. And you know what? Has her career been fantastic in AEW or everything? No. Not really. But, like, you know what? She, not, her, not her fault. But at the same time, too, she's coming back from what could have been a career-threatening injury, and that's still awesome. And she's still trying to live out her dream. And the one thing that fans still bring up to her to this day is the goddamn porn tapes. You know what I mean? It's just like, or let it fucking go, man. Like, that was, that was the past. She's doing this now. And she's bettering herself to be, like, you know, trying to fix her imagery and, like, leave a legacy that she could be happy with. And all, like, certain people want to talk about is the gossip or the bullshit or whatever, stuff like that. And it's just, like... Stop bringing up stuff that got her blacklisted and focus on the here and now. You know what I mean? Oh. But at the same time, there are some people that you just can't do that with. I thought – I just thought of one now that you brought up Paige or Soraya, Alberto Del Rio. Mm. He's one that I don't think I would ever accept as a fan again. Yeah, you used to like Del Rio. I did, but like hearing some of the shit that he put her through and some of the things he said about her since – even up to and including the last couple of years, where he was like, "Oh, she she better not talk about me again, otherwise I could I could kill her career in one one sentence or one sentence." Like he's like holding some kind of like information over. Like that's an instance where it's like, "Fuck off and just move on." Like nobody likes you anymore. You're trying to stay relevant by picking on a woman. Like fuck off. I hate Alberto Del Rio. <laughs> All right, well that'll be a quote for the end of the Austin year. Austin Aries is another one too. I used to love Aries. And everybody just found out he was an unprofessional prick. And look where he is now. Nowhere. AJ, I know. We're sorry. We're ranting back and forth about the subject. Do you have an opinion on this matter as well? or? Uh, no, because you guys are pretty much saying exactly what I'm thinking. Um, you know, it just it, like Jordan said, it's a case by case basis. I mean, sure, there are some things that, you know, were are so unforgivable that they don't deserve to come back from. But then there's stuff that, you know, like. Like you guys were saying about Soraya, you know, she made some mistakes, bumps around the road, but uh, luckily the fans were, you know, yes, okay, so she had to change companies, but, you know, at least some of the fans are more accepting of, are starting to accept her and stuff like that, and, and you know, it is what it is. It's like, like Jordan said, just get over it. Just get over it and move on. And, like, really, she made a sex tape. Like, is that the most egregious thing that anybody has ever done? That like you should be you should constantly have to be harassed and hounded for for the rest of your life. Like yeah, it happened. Who cares? Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, that kind of just ends up episode 100 right there. Um, kind of a harsh topic right there, but I mean these are the questions that the fans wanted to hear us talk about, and uh, well, we delivered it to you. So again. From the bottom of my heart, thank you very much. I know this was kind of like a boom, boom, boom with this episode answering these questions, but 
quite frankly, there's a lot going on in my life right now, and we want to be able to pump this episode out there, and especially for the episode 100. And uh, it's also nice getting most of the horsemen back together for this one. I know Josh couldn't make it. He's an asshole. But that's besides the point. And uh, just, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, and so, of course, AJ, it's always a pleasure having you on here. Jordan, you're usually a regular at this point, so I'll see you probably in a couple weeks. Um, is there anything that you guys wanted to mention or say about us hitting the 100 mark before we uh, bid this episode adieu, AJ? It's been hard work, and I did it all by myself. You're not AJ, but that's okay. <laughs> it's been hard work, and I did it all by myself. <laughs> no, no, no. It was uh, me, Austin. No, it's uh, it's fun that you know it's still going and and I'm happy that it's 100 episodes and let's you know keep this ball rolling and and hopefully it'll snowball and get get bigger and bigger and bigger and we'll you know you'll we'll see what happens. Exactly, Jordan. It's been hard work and I did it all by myself. All right, go fuck yourself. <laughs> also, fantasy draft for the win. Woo. Yeah, so, well, speaking of that and also future episodes as well, next week on the podcast, uh, it is going to be our very first time ever doing this here at uh, Schwal Wars. It is called Squared Circle Grading, where we are joined by old school Edmonton James, former professional independent referee, uh, but, you know, he shows up once in a while. And also, he was a former teacher in his former lifetime. So what he is going to be able to do is something similar to what we did in a previous episode where I sit down with him and I mention names from the past, present and future professional wrestling. And we grade those athletes based on, you know, the grading system, A, B, C, D and F. And, uh, you know, we rate different things based on, you know, their look, their work rate, their promo ability, their style, their backstage etiquette their longevity in the business, you know, what they could do in the business, all these different types of things. And old school kind of lays down the law and gives us official grading with that. And it is a whole lot of fun. We already recorded that episode just a couple days ago. So I'm very excited for you to be able to check that out. Um, that, of course, is called Squared Circle Grading. Uh, so that will be a whole lot of fun. And don't forget as well, 100 episodes, check out all of them. Just binge all of them. You got nothing to do with your life. Listen to every single one of them. Go back in the archives. Anchor.fm slash Wildworks Podcast. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, all that jazz. Till then, ladies and gentlemen, my name's Adam Hayes. Thank you once again. 100 episodes, baby. And we'll catch you on the next one. Get ready to feel the heat as New Frontier returns for another live television taping with the biggest event of the summer, Immortality 2. Saturday night, July 22nd at the Jack Burger Sports Complex in Port Holt. Brace yourself for nine epic battles, including New Frontier Grand Champion Cranio X putting the title on the line against both Rip Impact and Tyler Hill in a three-way elimination. Plus, PD Skills and Tyler Arrow finally square off in a last-man-standing match. Don't wait. Get your tickets at immortality2.eventbrite.com. This is New Frontier Pro Wrestling Redefined.